Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to... We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. And hello, everyone in Las Vegas and everywhere else and all the places where you might happen to be listening. This is The Friddle Show. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church. Happy Tuesday to you all. Hope you had a fantastic Monday. I had a pretty great Monday, and I just realized that uh, for some reason, the news that we play here on KVXL, SRN News, seems to be stuck in a loop. I'm not sure why that is, but if you've been wondering why or noticed that you have been hearing the same news broadcast over and over again the past couple of days, I am now wondering that too, and hopefully we will have that quickly resolved. (laughs) By the way, if you ever notice anything like that, feel free to reach out and let me know because I listen to our station all the time, which is wonderful and I love it, but sometimes because I listen to it so much and it's just basically a part of me now, I don't always hear it, if that makes sense. Like, I, I know who's coming up next. I know their voice. I can pick them out instantly if I hear them on another station and it's really funny if I'm driving and I'm listening to someone else's station and then something comes on and I know that that's not when we play it my heart starts racing because I'm like what happened what has happened this is not supposed to be on now and I'm like oh yeah okay it's all right calm down this isn't actually our station everything is cool Which doesn't happen all that much because, as I said, I pretty much just only listen to our station. And that's really, I mean, not too much to ask of anyone, is it? No. I don't think so. Not when you could listen to to us all day, every day. Even if you're not in Las Vegas, you can stream us at kvxl101.com. But anyway... If you have questions or suggestions or you notice things like that uh, that would be good for me to know about that I may have missed, you can email us, radio at experienceliberty.com, or you can call 702-647-4522, and we would love to uh, speak with you. All right, so let's talk about some news. We're going to have Stephen Perkins from Outset Magazine. We may or may not have a second uh, person joining us as well, but Stephen will be here at the bottom of the hour. Tomorrow we have Fox News contributor Todd Starnes. I'm really excited about that I love Todd's work uh, he he a lot of the the Fox News pieces that you read that are related to faith-based issues almost always come from Todd Starnes he unearths a lot of things that are that are of interest to those in the faith community so I think you will enjoy him and then we have Cameron Gray on Thursday is going to be here there's been a lot of anti-semitism happening at the Olympics that isn't necessarily being reported on all that much except for maybe that one handshake but there's been a lot more than that so he's going to be here he's going to break that down with us uh, so we've got a big week 
of guests. And then on Friday, Friday is uh, the last time that our summer missionaries will have a chance to be here. So we're going to give them the opportunity to tell you about what they have learned this summer working here in Las Vegas. So we've got a big week. Hopefully you'll stay tuned. We'll be putting up some new podcasts. I know it's been, um, I think, about 10 days since we've put up a new podcast. That was just from me uh, being out of town and then having some different responsibilities last week that took me away from radio uh, for a lot of the time. But we're going to get back into things this week. So hope you will follow along. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud at The Frittle Show. All right, so some headlines. <clears throat> let's let's start with this one. Uh, so there are a bunch of convenience stores asking that they not have to be required to sell kale. Yes, kale. I have nothing against kale. I'm not a big fan of it but I have nothing against it. I mean, I know it has ex- great health benefits, and I like it most especially in smoothies because then you can't really taste it. Kale by itself, I'm not. I'm just not a big fan of, though. But there are new federal regulations that the, the government is trying once again to make us healthy, and so one of the ways they're thinking about doing this is by making it harder to use food stamps at convenience stores. And those that oppose this measure are saying, well, then disadvantaged people will have fewer places to buy groceries. But in all honesty, probably the worst place you can buy groceries is at a convenience store. And no offense to those of you that run convenience stores, but the fact of the matter is prices at convenience stores are often uh, much higher than at other locations. Now, that said, there's something you got to consider. Some who grow up in the inner city never leave their city block in their childhood and youth and even sometimes into their adulthood. Or maybe they go two or three blocks, but they don't get outside that radius. So the only thing, if the only thing within that radius is a convenience store, then that's where their groceries are coming from. And that may seem like a com- completely foreign, strange, and, and s- unreasonable thought to you. But that's simply the way life is for many people. You know, I, I met so many kids when I used to work in, uh, I spent some summers in inner city Philadelphia. Well, not summers, but parts of my summers when I was working at a, at a camp, the kids from inner cities would come to us at camp and then we would go to them, uh, in the city. And I met so many kids that would come to camp. They'd literally never been outside their block ever in their lives. Some of their parents had never left their city block. So, you know, on one hand, it's easy for us to say, well, you shouldn't be buying groceries at convenience stores anyways because that's a horrible idea. But on the other hand, you have to realize that for some of these people, that's literally the only place where they buy groceries. But anyway, this is from uh, McClackDDC.com. The standards proposed by the U.S. Department of Agriculture would require retailers that accept food stamps to stock more and fresher varieties of food. But many convenience stores won't be able to meet the requirements and will be forced from the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, commonly known as SNAP or food stamps, critics say. Mary Braddock frets this could happen to the convenience stores run by her family near Kansas City, Missouri. Open from 5 a.m. to 11.30 p.m., the miners 
farmers markets in Lee's Summit and Blue Springs sell everything from bulk candy to fresh fruit and vegetables. Attached to gas station, they're handy pit stops for early risers and late night shift workers, some of whom rely on food stamps to grab groceries on the go. But miners' markets don't have the shelf space to display the mandatory number of items at all times, and it will be too costly to stock all the unprocessed and perishable foods required, Braddock said. Her customers aren't likely to buy kale, duck, or lamb, so such products will simply spoil on the shelves, according to Mrs. Braddock. Braddock and other critics of the USDA proposal, including Democratic and Republican lawmakers, complain the new standards will be impossible for many convenience stores and rural markets to meet. As a result, they warn tens of thousands of stores across the country could stop accepting food stamps, not to mention lose a ton of money if people aren't buying the products that they sell. So what do you think? Should convenience stores be required to carry things like kale and duck and lamb? in order for them to be able to accept food stamps? That's the question. Because if the question is simply, should convenience stores be required to carry kale, duck, and lamb, then I think it's a very simple no, they should not, because that's not what convenience stores are for. However, when you understand, then, that there are families who are utilizing food stamps in the purchasing of the majority of their food and that they are doing a majority of their shopping at said convenience stores, should they be required to carry things like kale, duck, and lamb if they are accepting food stamps? I really, I don't know. I'm inclined to say no. It doesn't seem conducive to the free market to do that. But then when you throw in the food stamp aspect of it, again, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of silly to suggest that for rural markets because oftentimes rural markets like farmers markets and different things that's not something where I I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what you think. I want to know what you think. Let me know on Twitter. Find me at the Friddle. Send me a tweet. Tell me what you think. Should these places be required to carry kale and duck and lamb and things of this nature? Maybe we'll ask Stephen when he gets here. Stephen usually has good perspective on this stuff. Okay, now, if you could please, please don't panic, anyone. Please don't panic. But there was there was an uproar this weekend on social media because, because Justin Bieber threatened to make his Instagram private over negative comments about his new girlfriend. And the believers were freaking out a little bit. Okay. Or a lot of it, actually. It was trending for quite some time because, heaven forbid, that a celebrity might make his Instagram private. So, number one, just because Justin Bieber is a celebrity doesn't mean he owes you anything. If you happen to be a Justin Bieber fan, and you could really apply this to any celebrity. And number two, if Justin Bieber were smart, he would think more about his fans before saying things like this. But he doesn't have to be. He doesn't see it that way. And he he can do whatever he wants with his Instagram. He's still a person. Just because he's a celebrity doesn't mean he's not a person anymore. But he should and hopefully will eventually realize that the only reason he has the celebrity is because of his fans and so therefore... 
If you want to stay a celebrity, then you shouldn't be saying things like that. But seriously, for you believers, relax. He'll circle back around and he'll make it right with you guys. He always does. Or is it too late now to say sorry? Moving on, before I get fired. Um... The Ice Bucket Challenge. Remember that big hit? Uh, was it last year? I think it was last year or 2014. No, it couldn't have been last year because I did it before I came here. So it must have been 2014. So everybody's going around dumping a bucket of ice water on their head. And if you were refusing to dump the ice water on your head, then you're supposed to make a contribution to uh, the um, to, ALS, to the ALS Association. And many people uh, did both. They did the Ice Bucket Challenge and made a donation to the ALS Association, and there were uh, a lot of individuals that refused simply to do it because they thought it was stupid, and these viral videos don't make any sense, and they never actually accomplish anything. Well, 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 well. It has now been proven that the Ice Bucket Challenge donations have led directly to a breakthrough in ALS. Re- this is from uh, Meritalk.com. Researchers in Project Mind Global Gene Sequencing have identified a new critical ALS gene thanks to funding provided by the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge donations. The project's discovery of gene NEC1 would not have been possible without donations from the challenge, proving that online campaigns can lead to direct measurable impacts on disease management and overall health. The ALS Association announced the allocation of $1 million dollars from the Ice Bucket Challenge donations to Project Mine in October of 2014, enabling the project to expand to the United States. According to Bernard Mueller, brainchild of Project Mine, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge enabled us to secure funding from new sources in new parts of the world. Thankfully, the ALS Association brought Project Mine to the United States. This transatlantic collaboration supported our global gene hunt to identify the genetic drivers of ALS. I'm incredibly pleased with the discovery of the NEC1 gene adding another step toward our ultimate goal, eradicating this disease from the face of the earth. NEC1 now ranks among the most common genes that contribute to ALS, giving scientists another avenue for therapy development. The discovery of NEC1 highlights the value of big data in ALS research, said Lucy Bruin of the ALS Association. The sophisticated gene analysis that led to this finding was only possible because of the large number of ALS samples available. The ALS Ice Bucket Challenge enabled the ALS Association to invest in Project Mind's work to create large biorespiratories of AOS, ALS biosamples that are designed to allow exactly this kind of research and to produce exactly this kind of result. Biorespiratories is quite a large and exciting word. But I found that really exciting. You know, a lot of times you participate in these in these online viral campaigns and you wonder if it really makes any difference and you know, I think a lot of people participated in the Ice Bucket Challenge because it was fun and it was viral and it was cool and everybody was doing it. Or they didn't because it was dumb and it was stupid and it was viral and everybody was doing it. But it actually contributed to a major breakthrough discovery in ALS research. I just think that's awesome. And then you know there's these other things that happen on Facebook where you're like, no, sorry, I'm I'm not sharing that. Like, repost this if you love Jesus. I love Jesus, but I'm not posting that. Repost this and you'll be blessed. It's like the modern day chain letter with the Facebook shaming of the repost. Like you 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 better 
You better, and, and oh, by the way, copy and paste exactly as it is written. Do not share. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Pretty much anything that says, copy and paste this. I want to see who my real friends are. We'll see who really cares by who copies and pastes this. Okay, well, first of all, not everyone is online at the same time, and with Facebook's algorithm, half your friends will probably never even see that post about you'll know which friends that care by who copies and pastes it. And secondly, just just because you post something on Facebook doesn't mean you care. It really doesn't. If you care, do something. Anyway, I, I'm. Yes. Okay. We're just we're just gonna stop there, and move on again. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um. I have so many. So many stories here, and I don't even know which one I want to go with. Oh, let's talk about this one. Google Duo, real quick, because I gotta take a break. So this is a quick one I can go over. Google Duo is this new thing that Google has created, and it has one purpose, to allow video calling between iPhones and whatever other type of phone. So if you have an Android and an iPhone, you know, before it was like, okay, does everybody have Skype? Because we can't use FaceTime, we can't use um, whatever is the the Android calling thing. I know they have one. Or, you know, does everybody have Uvu? And so you got to try and pick an app that works for everyone. Google Duo is simple in that all you need is you tell it your phone number. And it will tell you everybody in your uh, contact list that also has Google Duo. And you can call them, video call them, no matter what kind of phone they have. They have a Windows phone. They have a, they have a, a Droid. They have, I don't know an iPhone of whatever generation, and you can video call between them. And that's all it does. Like, it's a super simple app. And I say thank you. Applaud. You can't hear me, but I'm clapping. Yay, Google. Good job. I have been waiting for this ever since my family gave up their iPhones, and I still have one. Not all of them, but some of them did, and so I can't FaceTime them anymore, and it's very sad, but now Google has solved the problem. See, if I had thought of this, if I had thought of this, I could have been on Shark Tank. I could have been. And it would have been beautiful. But alas, was not meant to be. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round, and they can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com slash fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. All right, we're going to play Chris Tomlin with Greater when we get back in just a minute. Stephen Perkins from Outset Magazine will be here. Don't go away. And we are back. You're listening to Experience Liberty Radio, 101.1 FM, KVXL, here in Las Vegas. One of my favorite people to talk to is with us this morning, Mr. Perkins. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I am I am well also. So Stephen Perkins is, in, is younger than I think he sounds, if you're listening on radio. 
and you would probably be impressed. He's just a college guy who's doing some fantastic stuff because he cares about our country. You know, a lot of people talk about what's wrong with our country. Stephen is actually doing things, and I appreciate that about Stephen. He's the founder and editor and owner and all 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 the big titles. He has them all for Outset Magazine, and you should go check it out at OutsetMagazine.com, uh, right? It's OutsetMagazine.com? That's it, yes. Okay. I always Some people do .org, and so I always... Hesit- I'm hesitant because I was like, oh, stink. I don't right. remember if it's .com or .org. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So we're just we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today. We'll start with politics because you, you do politics, I do politics, and our apologies to those of you that are like, oh, no, not again. But we have, we're going to do it. I haven't been talking about politics so far yet today, so I've been, I've been kind for those of you that don't like politics. But we have to talk about it. So let's start with uh, – we'll talk Hillary and Trump both. Let's start with Hillary. First off, uh, I'm not sure if you've seen this yet today, Stephen, but uh, – the House Republicans has been trending on Twitter most of the morning because they are now saying that Hillary Clinton is guilty of perjury, potentially, and they are asking, uh, uh, who are they asking to look into this? I'm actually just looking over this now because I saw the headline, but I didn't have a chance to look at it. But they're asking someone to look into Hillary potentially perjuring herself, which she clearly did. But uh, what what are your thoughts on this? Does this go anywhere or is it just another thing we're going to add in the stack of the Hillary is awful, and here's why she should be in prison rather than president file. I think it's I think it's the latter, and the reason I say that is is that if the GOP's ground game is um, relies upon Hillary Clinton getting indicted and, and landing in jail, that they're going to lose uh, because it's just not something from an objective standpoint. If you stand back from this, if you're not in politics, if you're someone in law, you can look and see that it is highly unlikely that Hillary Clinton will become uh, will become indicted or, or will, will land in jail. It's about as likely as, as Trump winning every single state. Um, and so I, I think that what House Republicans need to do and what all Republicans need to do is they need to start focusing on her record. And there's plenty there. Uh, and, and there's plenty, you know, you can call her corrupt and you can call her all these things, potentially criminal. Um, but I would go after her record. I would stop this I wouldn't say witch hunt, but I would stop this this effort to try to land her in jail. It, it's very clear that for the Clintons, there's a, another set of rules for them um, as there is for regular Americans. So uh, Clinton's not going to be in jail anytime soon. Right. If she was going to be, I think it would have happened already. I mean, if Benghazi, if the emails, I mean, if, if the treasonous act of having multiple private servers and using them doesn't land you in prison i don't think anything is going to even though we all know if that was if she was a republican uh her her political life would be completely over there's just as you mentioned there's just a different standard for the clintons and and even if you like the clintons i don't see how anyone can't admit that like there's just they live by a different set of rules but another thing that i found interesting with hillary and this is You know, neither here nor there, but since this election is just crazy to begin with, a lot of people now are starting to point at her health as being potentially an issue once we get into this campaign. And I I always just kind of wrote it off like, oh, yeah, okay, Hillary coughed, blah, blah, blah. It's a headline on conservative right wing media is freaking out because Hillary Clinton coughed. And then I actually started paying more attention and watching some of the videos and 
I was like, oh, wow, she actually doesn't appear to be healthy. Maybe these people are on to something here. And then I thought, dear me, maybe we should get to know Tim Kaine a little bit better because, heaven forbid, but what if Hillary is elected and then is physically incapable of, of carrying out the office of the presidency? Is that something you think is legitimately a possibility? I mean, honestly, I'd rather have Tim Kaine if, if we can go ahead and, and start that process already. But so <laughs> Okay, so wait. To... You know what? If anyone is listening and wants to tear this apart someday, if you run for political office, they're going to go from you having called <laughs> Hillary Clinton a witch to basically you know, saying, can we just get rid of her right now, which is not what Stephen is saying. I just want to clarify no, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I'd say, you know, if... if, if... <laughs> If if they wanted to transfer the nomination to someone else, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I gotta be with that. Thank you for, for catching me. <laughs> the same, you'll remember the same thing happened. So Hillary Clinton at sixty eight, and and the same thing happened to John McCain two thousand eight. Um, yeah. and, and they were saying that, and and you'll remember in two thousand eight, conservatives go, wow, that's really a low blow. You must not have uh, much to talk about about your policy. You must not you must not have a strong candidate if you have to talk about. John McCain potentially becoming, you know, sick or dying in office. Like, that's kind of a low blow. And here we are doing the same thing. Mm. Again, I, I I think there is some credibility to it. Um, you want presidential candidates to be healthy. But I would also say this. If, if Brian Stelter from CNN said this, that if you follow any one of us around uh, for, for years, uh, especially within a year where you're doing a lot of hard campaigning, you're probably going to catch some embarrassing moments. You're probably going to catch some some imperfect moments. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's so hard to speculate about someone's health and, and try to relate that to are they qualified, not qualified, but are they um, are they going to be able to serve as president? It's so hard to do that because obviously you don't know their record, you don't know their history, you don't know um, all the things associated that you would need to know with medical, and none of us are doctors. I think we'll readily admit that um but but no i again i think the republicans should focus on the issues of this campaign and perhaps um with in the conservative media as you said perhaps there's an inability to do that because there's not as much substance there as there would be in another election but i i, I just wish that the health uh the, i mean really what they are are conspiracy theories i think and I, I'm always very careful when I dabble in conspiracy theories. That's a, that's a good way to be. You know, I live in Las Vegas, and we have Area 51. And thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, because we now have the latest Indiana Jones installment, we all know uh, what that's about. But anyway, moving on. Um, I love that you're talking about focusing on issues, and I think that people have been saying this for a long time. And yet it still doesn't seem to be happening. We're just not talking, I think, almost on either side even. You know, quite frankly, I haven't heard Hillary address a lot of issues with Trump. Now, granted, he hasn't given a a real clear, solid position on on many issues. But nevertheless, I I don't see that coming from the Clinton campaign. I see a lot of he hates everyone and everything, and so you're all going to die if you elect him. But I don't see actual issues there. And I... I don't see it from the right, really, either. We're, we're not talking necessarily about Hillary's issues, necessarily. And one thing that I've noticed in particular is, uh, you know, I've seen a Clinton campaign ad came on TV the other day. 
And honestly, I just started laughing like halfway through it. Like it was so, so false and so painted with a with a just hugely broad stroke of if you elect Hillary, she will personally, with her own bare hands, create every new job every American could possibly want. And I'm like, okay. How? And you can't even, that's, what? Like, and that was it. That was the she whole message of the perfect. ad. She, yeah, exactly. It was, elect Hillary and all of your problems will be solved. Like, that was literally the message of the ad. And I was like, this is terrible. But then if you look at, at Mr. Trump, you know, I don't, I'm not sure how I ended up on his email list because I get duplicate emails from his campaign every day. And every day the Trump campaign is asking me twice for money. I, but I don't know where is it even going because the Trump campaign hasn't made one ad. Like what are what what are they spending money on? Like they're not if they're not spending money in an effort to defeat Hillary. Where where is it going, Stephen? Where 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 is it going? Please help me. I think I think they're just buying. I think they're buying a lot of inventory of those hats. You know who would blame them? They're very ah, popular. But it's that, true. You, it's I mean, true. you make a good point, Clinton. At least Clinton has ads, and yeah, they're terrible ads. I've seen them too. I, I've seen the one with the kids about, "Do you want your kids listening to this person as president?" But at least she's buying ads, and I think that at this moment, America is in the terrible two phase. We're using our emotions. We don't know how to use our words, um, and. <laughs> I hope it's just a phase, right? Like yeah. I, I, I've done vacation Bible school, and I have, uh, I have, you know, um, been with the two-year-olds, and I can tell you, like, you know, it's hard to put those kids down for a nap, and maybe, maybe that's what we need is, is a nap mm. for a little bit. But, uh, but so the Clinton campaign and the Trump campaign, they're, you're right, they're both not talking. They're talking about the character of the other person. They're trying to do character attacks. Um, because their plans just haven't come together, and maybe that will come out more during the debates, but um, that is yet to be seen, their timeline on that. Yeah, I hope it doesn't. I'm actually really looking forward to the debates. I think that the debates have the potential, they may not, because you just never know with, with this year, but have the potential to potentially solidify some things. I think there are actually a lot of people out there, especially on the right, that are still open to supporting Mr. Trump that don't at this point and just really are saying, give us something, give us some reason to vote for you. And I think that he has the potential in the debates to to capture some of those people. And, you know, I think the same could be said for, for Hillary on the left, but probably not as much um, because I don't see that great rift there. I think there's some from Bernie's people, but not, not like there is on the right. But, you know, unless unless the debates are really substantive you know with the poll numbers right now just things aren't looking things aren't looking up for mr trump and i think he needs to start doing something with those ads um he needs to start focusing on hillary and and one thing i just uh, will mention this and then we'll move on so that people that don't like politics can cannot hate us but you know i've seen a lot of people on the right particularly trump supporters that are already blaming people that are conservatives that don't like Trump for Trump's loss. And I'm going, we haven't even had the election yet. You don't win people to your side by blaming them for a loss that hasn't happened. It doesn't work that way. 
So anyway, I could I could spend like an hour on that, and I'm sure, Stephen, you would have some comments there too, but I'm going to let that one go. Let's talk about the Olympics for a minute. Have you seen the, right. have you seen the green pool? I did see the green pool, and I thought, well, you know, what, a, what an oddity that is. Yes. See, I have a pool now that I have a house. I got a house with a pool, and there are times when I walk outside and I'm doing the chemicals and stuff, and I sit there and I think... Gee golly wally, I hope I'm doing this right. And I I mean, I've gotten instruction from, you know, there's different pool places and they'll test your water and tell you what you need to do and how you need to do it. But still, I'm not a pool expert. I'm not an expert at chemicals and water and all this stuff. I just, you know, but I walk outside in my pool, I can see to the bottom and it looks like it's supposed to and I'm doing what the people said. And so I think, okay, I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty well. And then I saw the green pool at the Olympics and I can't tell you, you know, you're not supposed to rejoice in other people's f- problems. But it just really, it made right. me happy. It it honestly made me happy because I was like, if the Olympic Committee, if their pool can look <laughs> like that, and clearly they have experts doing this, and my right. pool looks beautiful, you know, I just... It, You're doing something right. I'm doing right. something right. Maybe they could hire me. <laughs> Maybe this is how I could make awesome. my fortune. Really? Okay, but I wanted to ask <laughs> you about... You're in the wrong business. I, I probably am. I probably am. I should be in pool chemicals in the Olympics because I can clearly do it. Um, did you see the... Yes, I think it was yesterday. Monday. Yesterday was Monday. Yeah, okay. So um, did you see the... Which was it? The 400-meter dash where the American uh, Allison Felix, she was, she was in front. She looked like she's going to win the race. And then this gal from the Bahamas, what's her name? I don't remember what the gal, the, Sean, Sh, uh, Shawane, Shawnee, I don't remember how you pronounce her first name, but Miller. So this Bahaman runner, Miller, literally dives for the finish line and ends up crossing it first, like with her hands across the finish line first because she dove, whereas the American was going to win. The American was going to be gold medal, and then Miller dives across the finish line. Did you see that? I didn't see it live, but I, I heard the controversy behind it. And I don't watch the running uh, events because it makes me tired. But <laughs> I, did wa- I did see the controversy about it. And, and, uh, and someone made the comment, well, even if, you, uh, even if you fall, I guess you're still moving forward. But, yeah, I, I don't think that that – obviously, I don't know the Olympic rules. I, I don't spend much time around those documents. But um, I don't think that that should really be a qualifying thing if you – dive i mean it works in baseball but i don't know about track yeah apparently it's not against the rules i guess it really doesn't matter how you cross the finish line just that you cross first but it just looks so bizarre (laughs) yeah that is bizarre and also like you have to go back to your your friends and family and say that that you won the gold medal because you flew past the finish line. I, I, I don't know if that's as impressive as as, uh, as saying that you ran past it normally, but I don't know. I'm not an Olympian. I want to know what that pride would be like. I mean, on one hand, I guess it shows great desire and dedication. Like, you're literally throwing yourself across the finish line. On the other hand, you clearly had no confidence that you were going to win because you threw yourself across the finish line like <laughs> right they were they were I'd pretty close yeah i don't i don't know Does i don't it looks extremely painful 
I don't think right. she's hurt. It was I think she won then by point. Uh, what is this? Point seven, point zero seven seconds from when her torso with the dive crossed as opposed to the American's torso. And maybe it just bothers me a little bit because I'm an American, and so I feel that we were robbed of our gold medal. That could be, too. You know, I could just be completely skewed in my review. If I was was the American, I mean, I know the Olympics is about good sportsmanship, but if, if I was, like, that close and then someone just dove past me, I would probably be giving them the the side eye when we were up on those little uh, platforms. Yeah, yeah. Like seriously, seriously, <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't like you join Phelps in the pool. No, you have to be out here diving. Why? <laughs> exactly. There are there are times and places at the Olympics for that sort of behavior. Yes, and this was not one of them. Unless I mean, but it worked. She got the gold medal. So I don't. I'm conflicted about that one. All right, so I'm going to – one last thing here before I let you go. Obviously, uh, Milwaukee, I talked about this extensively yesterday, but I'm going to let you share a thought because I have a feeling it will be similar to mine, and then everyone will just hear our brilliance again for a second time. We have a gentleman who has a stolen gun. He's told to drop his gun. He doesn't drop his gun. He gets shot. And the reaction, of course – is, well, let's loot and riot and steal and burn things for justice. Um, Can you explain that? Well, I I, I wish I could explain the mentality, but with with all of these different shootings, the the things that I've, or shootings and also just police brutality in general, the thing that I've kept coming back to um, is is there is a... I think there are people within the Black Lives Matter organization. Like, I, I don't think the organization is a good organization in terms of the leadership they have and, and some of the things that the brick-and-mortar organization, if you will, is doing. But I think that the, the, the activists behind it, they have great points. And Glenn Beck recently, was a pretty high-profile conservative commentator, came out and said that we need to be understanding uh, of, of what's going through. But with each of these shootings, I just I keep thinking back to I, I don't understand it because uh, I'm not in the position that African-Americans are in. And so I can't relate to what it must feel like within that community. Um, I, I, I can't understand what it would be like to, to witness things, these things happen. But obviously what needs to be said at the forefront is that violence is never the answer. Looting businesses is never the answer, especially like we saw way back in Ferguson when these businesses are owned by by other African Americans. Like this is not a productive way to protest. I'm a big believer in protests and, and I believe that they have some legitimate concerns to, to, to be outraged about, but it's about how you do it. And and I don't think you're going to win over the hearts and minds of people when when your city's on fire. Like when your message is backed up by fire and violence and, and all these nasty things, it's not a message that is going to penetrate to the hearts of people. But if it's backed up by nonviolent action, if it's backed up by clearly articulating what it is that you're protesting against, then we can start to have that conversation. Then that dialogue can begin. But until then, I, I would say that I understand the, I understand the, the concept of being extremely angry. 
right? I think we all have a point in our lives where we see an injustice either within our own community or within our own life, and we get extremely angry. But it's about how you act on that anger that really matters. And if you do it in a productive way, that's when you can actually do some substantial uh, change. That's very, very well said, Stephen. And, you know, when you were saying that, I'd never thought about this before, and so I'm going to flesh, have to flesh it out before I get into it too deep here. But I think that we could almost compare what's going on. We need to look at when people are angry with what's happening uh, in their in their state government, their local government, or with whatever society even. You know, this isn't something that's new in the world. There's always been right. civil unrest but it's how people deal with those feelings of anger, like you're saying. And I think we could almost look at the differences between, um, you know, we had two major revolutions around the founding of our country. We had the American Revolution, but there was also the French Revolution. And the French tried to do what we did, except they went about expressing their anger very differently. And as a result, they had a very different outcome in how their their revolution was carried out and both then how their new governing system was set up. So I think there could be some, some parallels made there and some interesting things to look at, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to get in there too deep in the weeds right now because I haven't had a chance to think through a good way to present that, but you have given me a topic to ponder. So I thank you. Well, I mean, these conversations that we have, you know, just spark inspiration and, uh, and I'm glad to be a part of it. I am too. I am too. We're actually, what we're trying to do is uh, recreate, Stephen was part of, I, uh, we used to do a, a joint show on the 405media.com uh, called The Millennials, where we did like a panel of young people and we just hash out ideas and topics. And we're trying to recreate that as a segment on, on the show now, here, once, now that we're on 101.1. We're actually still on the 405, but instead of doing it as a whole separate show, we're trying to make it into a regular segment. I'm still working on that. It's difficult because a lot of millennials are at an, a stage in life where it's hard to get us all together at the same time to record something, but we're working on that. And Stephen is my uh, is my anchor, if you will, for that segment. So uh, we'll see we'll see what comes of that. But thank you, Stephen. It's outsetmagazine.com. You can read more of Stephen's work there, or you can follow him on Twitter. It's uh, Stephen underscore Perkins. Correct. That is it, Stephen with a ph. All right, awesome. Thank you, Stephen. I appreciate it. Hope you have a uh, great rest of your day. Thanks, Crystal. You too. All right. So I'm going to end with this today. You guys might know John Stone Street. He, uh, we play, um, oh my goodness, I have just, my mind has gone completely blank. Breakpoint. We play Breakpoint here on KVXL every day. Breakpoint is just a, a quick, uh, it's either a minute and a half or two minute commentary uh, from uh, from Focus on the Family regarding things that are happening in our culture. And so it's hosted by John Stone Street, who is a fantastic uh, uh, teacher. And then uh, it's also hosted by Eric Metaxas, who's someone that we air his show, the Eric Metaxas show on Saturdays. But John Stone Street uh, posted this on Twitter regarding something that the Pope said during World Youth Day. And I just want to end with this today because I think it's very very compelling and very timely. Not related to everything else we've been talking about, but something that's really good nonetheless. So this is your thought to end the day. Well, not to end the day, but to end the show, to take with you. John Stone Street said, The Pope is talking to you, young couch potatoes. 
I'll be honest, I've struggled to understand many things Pope Francis says, but I must also say in light of all the churches scrambling to make their sacred spaces into Pokemon Go stops, what he said in Poland recently is refreshing. Dear young people, he told thousands gathered for World Youth Day, we did not come into the world to vegetate. We came for another reason, to leave a mark. The times we live in do not call for couch potatoes, but for young people with boots laced. In other words, what the Pope is telling young people, the world needs you. Put down the video games, turn off the screens, grow up, and go out and do something. Especially show people the love of Christ. The Pope was absolutely hitting the right note there. In all my years teaching, I know that teens and college students want to be challenged. They want to make a difference. Sometimes, some of them just need a little more encouragement than others. And while obviously we have great theological differences with the Pope, we can always learn something from everyone if we're willing to. And what the Pope said at World Youth Day is very true. We did not come into the world to vegetate, and this is true whether you're a young person or not. We came to leave a mark. The times that we live in do not call for couch potatoes, but for young people with boots laced. So lace up your boots. Fulfill the mission that God has given to you even today. That's all the time we have left. We're going to go out to, oh, let's see. We're going to do Piano Guys with Ode to Joy. We'll see you back here tomorrow. We'll have Todd Starnes, Fox News contributor, with us. And we hope that you will be with us as well. Have a great day, everyone.